Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I trust you and your household, your family are doing well. Uh, we are on the subject of the blood covenant. And uh, yesterday we continued to speak about uh, Jesus Christ is our righteousness. We talked about the righteousness of God that we have through Jesus Christ. In the old covenant, the, they had the promise of Yahweh Sidkenu, which was one of God's names. And he said, I am the Lord, your righteousness. But in the new covenant, we have something far greater, far better. That means that we have the righteousness of God through our Lord Jesus Christ that is given to us. Praise God. So I want to start by reading to you from Romans 1 verses 16 to 17. It says, for I am not ashamed. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is God's power working unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. Amen. So Paul begins to say that uh, I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus. And the gospel of Jesus, really, if you were to ask me what the gospel is, this is what I would say. The gospel is the story of the virgin birth, the sinless life, the atoning death, the resurrection and the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that Jesus is coming back again. That story of Jesus is the gospel. And the gospel of Jesus, you see, God has invested his power in the gospel because it is so that when the gospel is preached, that is when people are saved. That is when people put their trust in Jesus because you see, the Bible also calls the gospel the foolishness of the gospel. Because if you look at the, the gospel message, everything about it is foolishness to uh, the mind the, of the intellectual modern man, if you could put it that way. And so, I mean, if you examine the elements of the gospel, so we talk about the gospel, it begins with the story of the virgin birth. Can you imagine? Uh, we claim that here's this man, he was born of a virgin. I mean, that itself in the eyes of modern man is an impossibility. In, in fact, in people's eyes, it's absurd. You know, it's something that just cannot happen. So that Jesus was born of a virgin. And secondly, that he lived a sinless life. That is another thing that modern mind finds it hard to wrap itself around, to grasp that he lived a sinless life. And then that he died upon the cross, taking upon himself the sins and the diseases and the shortcomings and the failures of all mankind. I mean, that's another thing. That he died and then he rose again from the dead. That is another point that for modern man is very absurd. And that after he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven and he is with God the Father and he's coming down again. So... <coughs> For modern man, the entirety of the gospel message from beginning to the end is absurd. 
but God, the Bible says, God has chosen that it is through the foolishness of the preaching of this gospel that man shall be saved. And what does that mean? Well, I can tell you my own story, like when I heard the gospel, when, you know, I was a young Muslim and I heard the gospel for the first time, I heard about Jesus and, uh, you know, whatever was told to me was really absurd. But what happened was when that young man, that young Englishman who told me about Jesus, when he began to tell me about Jesus, there was something about it that gripped my heart. You know, there are times that uh, it, it totally bypasses the mind, but it grips your heart. It grips your spirit. And I remember thinking, this is what I have been waiting for all my life. And I need Jesus and I must be saved. And as I look back at myself and, 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 and uh, try to analyze and examine the whole sequence of events that happened, to me that day standing on the street in December, uh, on December the 13th, 1975, when that young Englishman shared the gospel with me. Um, I mean, everything about it was new and different. It didn't make sense to the mind, but I believe what happened, the reason I felt the way I did that I must get saved. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. What it was, it was the Holy Spirit was bringing conviction to me. And you see that again and again in the gospel. Uh, I'm sorry, in the book of Acts, it talks about how, how people said, brothers, what must I do to be saved? When Peter preached the gospel, when Paul preached the gospel, the response of the people were, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And there is something within the gospel because you see it's a god-given message it's not a message made up by man of, of by man it is god-given so the 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 thing is that's why jesus said go into all the world and he didn't say make them christians he didn't say go into all the world and convince them that they need to become christian he said go into all the world and preach the gospel preach them the message of the death and the resurrection of jesus and when we preach the gospel about the, uh, as I said, the, the virgin birth, the sinless life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus. What happens is that the Holy Spirit gets to work because, uh, because God has ordained it so that the Holy Spirit should work with the gospel. And when the gospel has gone uh, gone forth, the Holy Spirit shall work on the hearts of those who hear the gospel and bring conviction into their hearts. And they suddenly realize their need of forgiveness of sin and their salvation. And that is when people say, I must be saved. I must receive Jesus Christ. And it's a miracle. But the thing is that it happened to me and uh, so many of my friends, when I asked them, how did you get saved? And most of them say, this is what happened to them. Somebody told them and something gripped them. And they said that I must be saved. I must get saved. So that is why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But you see, we live in a day when um, much of the gospel has been intellectualized. Many, many, many pastors think that, uh, that uh, it's almost like the gospel is an embarrassment sometimes when you talk about the virgin birth the sinless life and you talk about Jesus bearing our sins and our diseases and they think uh, it's almost an embarrassment uh, because 
modern intellectual man would scoff and mock the gospel. And so they tried to give a sanitized, I call it seeker friendly version of the gospel in which they sanitize all the ugly parts or this like the blood, the bloody part of the gospel. But they don't realize that it is through the bloody parts that people can be that people have. Uh, uh, become saved. It is through the bloody, gory parts of the gospel that people actually receive salvation. So they clean up the bloody parts. They clean up the parts that don't appeal to the intellect. So at the end of the day, they have something that passes for the gospel, but it's not really gospel. And that is why you know, people's lives don't get changed. There's people who pay lip service and they become intellectual Christians, but their lives are not changed. But lives are only changed through the preaching of that, the gospel of the cross of Jesus. So that is what Paul is talking about. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ for it is God's power working unto salvation because in the gospel is the power of God hidden inside the gospel story. The gospel message is the power of God unto salvation for, for deliverance from eternal death unto everyone who believes. When people hear the gospel and they believe the gospel, there is power that saves them from sin, saves them from eternal death to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender. Surrender is what it's all about. Trust and surrender in Jesus to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I must add here that the gospel, Paul said, is for the Jew first. So the people of Israel, even their salvation is in the gospel. Uh, one famous preacher in America, he said, well, you, there's no need to evangelize the Jews because they have their own covenant with God. Now, this is Paul speaking, okay? He obviously believes that their own covenant with God is not enough to save them. That is why he said the gospel is to the Jew first. So the people of Israel who are deeply loved by God, they must hear the gospel because there is no salvation in that old covenant that they have, but salvation is found through Jesus alone. In fact, uh, in fact, Peter, he said to the high priests in in uh, Acts chapter 4, when he stood before them, he said, salvation is not found in any other. And there is no other name under heaven given among men by which man can be saved. Hallelujah. So then he talks about, he continues to talk about the gospel in verse 17. Then he says, for in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed. It says that this righteousness that God freely gives to man is found in the gospel. It is not found anywhere else. The righteousness of God, that God looks at us and gives us his own life, his own righteousness. That righteousness is found in the gospel, both springing from faith and leading to faith. What does that mean? Well, it explains here that it's disclosed through the way of faith that arouses more faith. It comes from faith to, to even more faith. So the gospel, uh, in the gospel, you have the righteousness of God that is revealed to the person who hears it. And then what that does, it brings forth faith. It causes faith to rise. And that faith, it leads to even more faith 
because it says, as it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. So that means that when you hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit gets to work in you and then your heart is gripped and you and you uh, cry out and say, what must I do to be saved? And then the answer is believe in the Lord Jesus and trust in him and you shall be saved. And with that faith, you respond to the gospel. And with that faith, you receive Jesus and that is saving faith. And that faith, it gives spring. It's from that springs forth even more faith. And that is faith to live. The just shall live by faith. So saving faith gives, uh, gives um, it brings forth another kind of faith. And that is faith to live. And that's what it means. You go the gospel. It takes you from faith to faith. It means the man who is just and upright through faith shall live by faith. And so that means that once we are made upright and justified and made righteous by faith, we shall continue to live by faith. But anyway, but that's not my main point. The main point is that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. So in the Old Testament, they had Yahweh Sitkanu. The Lord said, I am your righteousness. But in the new covenant, we have, uh, we have the righteousness of God revealed that is given to sinners and that is given by faith in the old covenant the condition was that you obey the word of god and you walk with god you keep the law and if you do that the covenant blessings will come upon you but in the new covenant the blessings of god firstly the blessing of righteousness that comes by faith you know by faith in the gospel so it is a totally different concept altogether everything firstly is encapsulated in the gospel message uh, because in the when because when the gospel is preached this is how the process works when the gospel is preached the power of god for salvation is in the gospel it is all contained in the gospel and when the gospel is preached the power of god for salvation goes forth and then the holy spirit also comes alongside because the holy spirit works with the gospel then the holy spirit gets to work in the heart of the hearer and when the holy spirit gets him and he feels convicted and that's when he says what must i do be saved do to be saved and you say believe in jesus and you shall be saved and that is when when that person by faith receives jesus christ the power of god for salvation that is in the gospel gets to work and that person gets saved and so this righteousness that is how it works it comes to us through the gospel and that is why we must preach the gospel because without the preaching of the gospel sinners cannot be made righteous it is just the way it is god wants all men to come to fellowship with him whether they be jews or they be greeks or they be arabs or chinese or white people or africans whatever their race or nationality no matter who they are or what their background is or whether they come from a rich background or poor background or religious background or non-religious background whatever background people come from their salvation is in the gospel they must hear the gospel of jesus christ they must hear the old old story of jesus how he died for them and he rose again and he's in heaven at the right hand of the father and he's coming back soon and when we because you see we cannot save anyone but we can preach the gospel 
Only God can save, but our responsibility is to preach the gospel. And when we preach the gospel, then the next thing, the Holy Spirit gets to work. And that's also something we cannot do. We cannot play the Holy Spirit and bring conviction. We can preach the gospel. When we preach the gospel and we are faithful to preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit gets to work, brings conviction. And that's when people respond by faith. And when they respond by faith, we can lead them to Jesus and they receive Jesus and they said that herein is the for in the gospel is is a righteousness which God describes is revealed. That means that is when this righteousness of God is imparted to a sinner when he hears the gospel, receives the gospel, receives Jesus. And God takes this wonderful gift of righteousness and he imparts it to the sinner. So suddenly this man who was a sinner is now a child of God. He is taken out of the dominion of darkness and he's now a citizen in the kingdom of God. And he who was full of the devil is now a child of God and he is born again. That's the power of the new birth, the, the, the imputation of righteousness to the sinner by God himself. God gives his own righteousness to man and all that happens is through the gospel. It is a free gift. It is given to every man, woman, and child. That is why I say every man, woman, and child on this earth has the right to hear the gospel at least once in his lifetime because Jesus paid for them with his precious blood. But we as the church, we are the ones who have to go out and make sure that they hear the gospel because it is through the gospel that the righteousness of God, that the promise God made to sinners that I will be your righteousness. That is how that promise is fulfilled through the preaching of the gospel. Hallelujah. Praise God. Anyway, let's look at Romans 3 verse 21 and 22. It says for now, but now the righteousness of God has been revealed independently altogether apart from the law. Although Actually, it is attested by the law and the prophets, namely the righteousness of God, which comes by believing with personal trust and confident reliance on Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And it is meant for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, so what he's saying is that now, that is in our age, the righteousness of God has been revealed independently and altogether apart from the law. So what Paul is saying to the Romans is this. What he means is this, that in times past, uh, <clears throat> the righteousness of God, Yahweh Sidkenu giving his righteousness, the righteousness of God was only available by keeping the law. If you keep the law, you earn that righteousness. It says that is how... <laughs> righteousness was given to man. But he says, but now the righteousness of God has been revealed independently and altogether apart from the law. That means now in our time, God is totally bypassing the law and imparting righteousness to sinners and bypassing the law. But in a way, that is attested by the law and the prophets. Now, this is interesting because people might question, how can you say that God gives his righteousness to sinners um, uh, totally bypassing the law? I thought the law was the only way through which man could attain righteousness. So what he's saying, he said, no, 
If you study the scriptures, you'll see the Old Testament scriptures that the law and the prophets actually attest to the fact that God is opening the second avenue through which he could, he can impart his righteousness to sinners. The first was by the law and it didn't work because Paul said by the works of the law shall no man be justified in his sight. But now God has made righteousness available to people bypassing the law. And not only that, but the law itself and the prophets affirm that they attest to it. Then he says, verse 22, namely the righteousness of God, which comes by believing with personal trust and confident reliance on Jesus Christ. And it is for all who believe for there is no distinction for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. So he says that this righteousness of God, it comes by believing with personal trust and reliance on Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ is the key. If you believe in Jesus, this righteousness is given to you. That's what he's saying. That is apart from the law, but there's only one way to get this righteousness. It is by faith, personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is intended for everybody who believes, not just for the Jews, but for Gentiles and Greeks. And no matter what their relation, uh, what their uh, ethnicity or their background is, This righteousness of God is given to all who believe because there's no distinction. Why is it given to all who believe? And there's no distinction. Why? Because all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. That means that whether they're Jews or they're Greeks or they're Arabs or Chinese or whoever they are, they're all fallen humanity and they have all fallen short of the glory of God because they have all sinned. So because they're all sinners, God doesn't make any distinction. He gives this righteousness to all sinners who will believe in Jesus Christ. It is by faith alone. Amen. Then it says in Romans 5:17, it says, For if by the transgression of one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So what he's saying that what, what he's saying is this, you know, this whole concept of the righteousness of God being being be, being given to Uh, in mass to all sinners. It says, listen, for by the transgression of man, one death reigned through the one. So what he's talking about is Adam. And Paul says that, listen, Adam was one man, but because he sinned, because of his sin, all mankind became sinners because we are all the offspring of Adam and Eve. We all carry his DNA. We all spring from the same tree. You know, we're all branches of the same tree, all human beings, no matter who we are, where we live, what language we speak, what color we are. We are all the same because we all come from Adam. We are all related to Adam. We are his children. So because of his transgression, because of his sin, uh, all became sinners and death reigned through Adam. So before Adam sinned, life, he was full of life because God breathed the breath of life into him, life into him and Adam became a living being. But when he sinned, when he he sinned because of his transgression, suddenly death came into Adam. And when death came to him, that death was passed on to all mankind since Adam. So it says that death reigned through one. In the same way, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness 
through Jesus. So that's why Jesus is also called the second Adam, because this, through the first Adam, death reigned over all mankind. Through the second Adam, life reigned over all mankind. So, you know, people might say, well, how can a man be saved through the work of Jesus? Well, in the same way that a man can be lost because of the work of Adam, because Adam sinned, all mankind became sinners. So, but because Jesus died on the cross, bore, bore our sins, we can all become righteous by faith in him. Hallelujah. So it says that, uh, it, it says uh, that uh, just like death came to Adam, life came to Jesus, salvation came to Jesus. It says, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. That means that this gift of free gift of righteousness and this abundance of grace that Jesus gives to us, it says those who receive it. That means, you see, when I heard the gospel on the 13th of December, 1975, I chose to receive the gift of grace that God gave to me. I could have walked away and I could have said, you know, I don't want your Jesus. I've seen sad. I've seen people do that. I've seen them hear the gospel and they don't want Jesus. Now, I can't even imagine why anybody would turn away, turn his back to Jesus, but you can't always get into other people's minds and understand their motives. But I know people who have rejected Jesus, but the fact is that I chose to receive Jesus. And when I chose to receive Jesus, it says, I received the abundance of grace. That means grace, that unmerited favor, that unmerited love of God. It was given to me, not just a few drops of grace, but I received it wide and deep and boundless as the ocean, unlimited, unfathomable grace, abundance of grace, and I received the gift of righteousness. That means I was made right with God. <clears throat> I received this righteousness, this right standing with God, the ability to stand before God, loved and accepted by God, the ability to stand before God without guilt, without condemnation. So by faith, I received receive this abundance of grace and I received this gift of righteousness because Jesus is our righteousness. He became sin that I may become righteous. So this gift of grace, this abundance of grace and this gift of righteousness, when we receive that, it says we will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. That means through Jesus, we will reign and we will rule in life as kings. We will not be victims, but we will be victors. That's why you know, we are more than conquerors through Jesus. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are seated together with Christ at the right hand of the Father. And that is our position. That is our standing. And that is what we have for God. This free gift of righteousness that is given to us through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Well, we will continue again tomorrow, but let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray for my brothers and sisters. Put your hand of mercy upon them, bless them, touch them, touch their families. I thank you, Father, for peace and righteousness in their homes. May they always walk in the consciousness of your presence, of your blessing upon them. Thank you for long life and health and healing and blessing for them. Meet every need they have and be glorified in and through their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, I'll be seeing you again tomorrow. God bless you.